It is January 9th, 2022, and welcome to episode 167 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm usually your once-a-week host, Jamil Jaffer, the founder and executive director of the National Security Institute at George Mason University's Anton Scalia Law School. But I'm doing a second episode uh, early this week uh, just to help out. Um, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and former boss, Les Munson, the former staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and a senior fellow here at NSI. And for the second time in two episodes, we're thrilled to have our special guest, current former colleague, the awesome Morgan Vina, who most recently served as chief of staff at Master Nikki Haley at U.S. UN. And actually, you can't see it, but less over there is raising the roof uh, in the background. So, all right, what are we talking about today? Over the last seven decades, the U.S. has had a had a up and down relationship with Saudi Arabia, generally pretty up. Uh, we've they've, they've purchased a tremendous amount of U.S. military equipment. They've kept um, uh, oil prices fairly stable um, and, a, and a fairly good supply of oil. Come to the United States, keep our economy good and keep our national security interests uh, strong, both in the region as well as globally. Uh, we've partner with the Saudis on a lot of efforts, particularly uh, p- uh, pushing back on Iranian efforts in the region uh, to threaten allies and the like. The Saudis have worked, albeit behind closed doors, with our friends, the Israelis, on a number of issues. There have been problems with the relationship in the long run. There were the oil shocks back in the 70s. Uh, there were uh, questions about uh, about Saudi commitment uh, and U.S. Uh, relationship uh, back during the, during the Suez oil crisis. Uh, but by and large, the relationship has been fairly strong. It did, it did hit the skids a bit during the Obama administration when the Obama administration sought to pivot away from the Middle East more generally and within the Middle East pivot towards the Iran and try to do a nuclear deal with the Iranians in an effort to sort of triangulate uh, with our traditional Sunni allies. That did not go well. Uh, the, the Saudis were pretty, were pretty uh, frustrated as were the other Arab allies in the region, including the Emiratis. Um, and ultimately the Trump administration came in to try and rebuild that relationship. Then of course, in, a, in an amateurish episode, uh, a prominent Saudi journalist working out of the Washington Post, Jamal Khashoggi, uh, was was brutally murdered in a, in a Saudi consulate in Turkey, um, and all of which was caught on on tape and, and made public uh, for for uh, for the world to see. That ultimately uh, put pressure on the relationship. The Biden administration came in; they were frustrated, angry with the Saudis. Uh, they didn't hesitate to express that. And ultimately, as inflation perked up due to, you know, uh, economic challenges and the like, overspending, uh, bad environmental and, and energy policies, ultimately, the administration had to go hat in hand. The president himself had to go hat in hand to the Saudis. Did not work out very well. The Saudis ultimately went with the Russians um, on an oil production cut um, during the Russia-Ukraine war just a few months ago, leading the Biden administration to get upset. So, but things are looking up. Uh, as we heard from the Wall Street Journal last week, uh, we've seen a lot of new mill-to-mill cooperation, B-52s flying uh, with Saudi jets and the like. So, Morgan, are we in a better place with the Saudis? Are things going to get better? How do we think this thing's going to play out? Look, these these developments really make me hopeful that cooler heads are prevailing in the administration. Um, and hopefully they realize the tremendous opportunities that a warmer relationship with Saudi Arabia will bear, particularly on defense and security. You know, it's it's not lost on, on Saudi and our other partners in the Middle East that the United States is now prioritizing the Indo-Pacific theater and that CENTCOM is transitioning to an economy of force, right? So they see that the United States is leaving the region. This has massive implications for their own security. But I, I do think that these signs of rapprochement should be welcomed. Um, I still think there's a massive trust deficit, for, particularly between Biden and 
and BS given Biden's rhetoric during the campaign and his actions early on in the administration. So I think we, we still do have a very long way to go in rebuilding this relationship. Morgan's got a great point, right? I mean, yeah, they had a fist bump between Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, uh, the Crown Prince, and, and President Biden. What do you think, Les? Well, I think Morgan's approach on the policy is very sensible. I agree with her in principle on, on all of those things. What I would lay on top of all that, though, is the political situation inside the president's party, which is very anathema to a constructive relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia. Senate Democrats in particular are not really interested in there being this practical relationship where, yes, we don't have the same values as Saudi Arabia. And I'm, that's, that's a short way of saying something pretty profound. But we do have this huge Venn diagram of our interests and Saudi interests in the Middle East. That is very true. The Democratic Party, particularly in the Senate, not really interested in, in pursuing those areas where the U.S. and Saudi Arabia have common interests. That's just the political reality for the president. And as we get closer to election time in uh, 2024, and that's and that's coming at us faster than any of us realize, uh, it's going to be harder and harder for the administration to have flexibility on this issue. So I, I see the president's own party putting pressure on him to tamp down this this new spring in the relationship between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. So, so I think that's an interesting point, but I, what I think is weird about what you just said is that if the Senate seems to be putting more pressure, the Senate Democrats, and you're, and you're telling the story, are putting more pressure on the president in this area than House Democrats are. That's odd to me because normally you'd see the Senate as a moderating influence and, and be willing to sort of do long-term deals with our allies like the Saudis. What's going on in the Senate that's different uh, than in the House on this issue? Well, I think part of this is just Democratic Party politics. Another part of it is institutional. Congress has always been more interested in human rights and American values than the administration of any party. The White House is looking to do transactional things on a day-to-day basis that benefit U.S. national security. They're less concerned about where things are going to stand in 10 years, whereas members of Congress, particularly in the Senate, where they have a longer term, they're elected for six years, not four, they're much more likely to serve 20 or 30 years in government than the president, who's term limited at eight in any circumstance. The Senate is just going to care more about values and uh, and human rights and that kind of thing. That's appropriate. And so the balancing here is that we do have dissonance in our relationship with Saudi Arabia. Our interests are very strong, but on, on the values front, even though you could argue that the current regime in Saudi Arabia has done some things on human rights, and particularly for women that are better than they had been in the past, still not nearly as good as they should be. That, 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 that part of the relationship is fraught and it's kind of always going to be. So we're always going to see this balance between an administration that wants day-to-day flexibility and a Congress, particularly in the Senate, that is looking for uh, kind of consequences of the, of the failure of Saudi Arabia to agree with us on these values issues. So, Morgan, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I mean, it is a problem, right? They don't, they don't share our values. I, we, it sounds like you think we should still do the deals and the administration just roll over the Senate and, and make the, and get this thing happen. Do you, is that what you think? And is that going to happen? Look, I think when it comes to Saudi and human rights issues, you know, bottom line, the, the killing of Jamal Khashoggi will forever be part of MBS's legacy. Period. He's never going to be able to live that down, particularly in the eyes of, of, of Democrats, specifically in the Senate. You know, with that said, though, the Biden administration, the president sets the U.S. government's foreign policy and national security priorities. Right. So I think the Biden administration really needs to be clear eyed about what our strategic interests with Saudi Arabia are. Uh, you know, when it comes to defense and energy, Saudi Arabia is critical to how the United States is, sees its future in the Middle East. Um MBS has, I think, made 
remarkable strides to modernize the kingdom. Um, and he should be congratulated for that. You know, the great progress has been made to open the country up. He really wants to turn Saudi Arabia into a destination. He doesn't want people to have to go to Bahrain to have a good time. Right. And so I think we, we need to find a way to, to, to work with him. Um, it's not a relationship that we can afford to, to, to really put by the wayside. Well, I'm with you. And I think that's, I think that's exactly right. Um, I don't know who's going to Bahrain to have a good time, maybe Dubai, but I mean, but you're right. He's building the city neon. It's pretty amazing. This, this crazy building the line is astounding. So I totally agree. I'm with you. It sounds like we're all on the same page. So all that's a wrap. Thanks to Gabriel and Brooke Agacon from NSI, Claude Jennings for their help in producing today's episode and to Morgan Vina for jumping in and kicking butt the last two episodes. Join us again this Wednesday for the next episode of Fall Lines as we'll have superstar Jessica Jones back with us. Don't forget, Fault Lines is the podcast that gets you smart fast on the issues shaking up in America's national security. So if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe so more people can get into the Fault Lines crew. Have a great one.